face-to-face, healthy relationship talk radio with one of the leading specialists and foremost authorities in healthy techniques in relationships. Learn why honor, beauty, leadership, and self-help is important for your empowerment. Get practical information on why you attract your opposite with balancing self-love and health. Also, listen to proven strategies to avoid major interrelationship mistakes that keep you bonded and push people away. Now, here's your relationship specialist and host, Daiya Six. That's no problem. I did hear you. Welcome to Face-to-Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. How are you doing? How are you doing? I am hoping that everyone, you know, that everything is working in everyone's favor, okay? And if it isn't, listen, this is what I say. Make it work. (laughs) Make it work in your favor. That is the beauty of being human. And let's see. If it isn't, um, if, if life is not you know, um, showing you any love, just sit back and relax and know that everything is working in your favor. Okay. Cause you have all the tools right here on earth. You just have to learn how to master the concept of utilizing them. And don't forget, you know, they're right here at your fingertips. Okay. Today's show, you guys, do you guys want to know what today's show is about? Mm-hmm. I bet you do. <laughs> You are in for a treat and I really mean something yummy because today's topic is your relationship and understanding with the other side. Yes. Now, I once saw a beautifully well quote from what was his name? Anthony Williams. And the quote said, knowledge comes from learning. Wisdom comes from living. And then I said, but what do we know after we move on? from what we consciously think we comprehend after we retire from here on earth, right? We all have those questions. We all have illusions, you know, some of us misunderstandings. And guess what? Today's beautiful guest is an inspirational, compassionate messenger, one who is brave enough to live in her walk in this lifetime, And her fascinating work has uplifted and gifted many individuals to a higher understanding of their human search, their human happiness for their own personal soul survival and their own personal purpose. And her spirited lectures have brought a deeper understanding of what happens after life. And you know, we have her right here, you guys, and we have to give her a blissful recognition where it is due. Please welcome to the show our beautiful messenger and author of They Serve Bagels in Heaven, Miss Irene Weinberg. Miss Irene, how are you doing? I am great, Dalia. I am just <laughs> great. And I doesn't everyone out there hope that they really do serve bagels in heaven? You know what? Just saying that made me hungry and maybe because I'm fasting <laughs> right now. So it's like, oh, bagels, what type of bagels? You know, you know, all these bagels and everything. But, you know, I am so happy to have you on the show. I know everything went quick and fast, didn't it? Right now, next thing you know, boom, we were on air, right? Right. right. <laughs> it's okay. And it's okay. That is absolutely living your truth about being uh, flexible and, and uh, uh-huh. going on towards the, pos- towards the positive. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But it's okay. I am so happy you're here. But you know what? I want to tell my listeners, you know, because, you know, they, they depend on me bringing some of the most intelligent people on this show. And I really want to thank you for coming on. And what I want to do is, you know, 
I want to talk about the very beginning of Miss Irene Weinberg. And the reason why I say that is because I want to be able to give my listeners the texture and taste of who you are and then bring them up to par of to, um, you know, what brought you up to your spiritual awakening. Is that okay? That's absolutely fine. I would be delighted to share my story with everyone. That's so wonderful. So, should I go? Should I just dive in? Well, you know what? Well, let me ask you this. What, first of all, because I want everybody to get an understanding that, you know, you know, about your lifestyle. What was your, what was, what was growing up as I, Miss Irene Weinberg like? What was, what was, you know, what was your household like? It was, I had a hard time, actually. I had a father who had polio when he was five years old, and he was mad at the world, and he was quite abusive. He married my mom during wartime, and he was, couldn't fight because of, he had a, a big handicap, and he had three children. I was the oldest, and he was quite abusive, and I did not which is part of my story because of what happened to me, and I was able to later on heal my, help heal my family. But uh, it was not an easy time, and I got married. Uh, eventually, I got married to actually get out of the house, so I married the wrong guy, and then I divorced him. I had a little boy, and then I remarried an absolutely wonderful man, and uh, he had, both of us had spouses that had had um, first mates who had a lot of issues, mm-hmm. and we found each other. I ended up getting full custody of his two children, and he got custody of my son. And we raised our blended family together. We were married close to 18 years, and we were traditional Jewish people. We went to synagogue. We observed the holidays, but we were not spiritual. We had a um, sister-in-law who fancied herself to be spiritual, and we thought that she was crazy. I, you know we, what? Wait a minute, Miss Irene. I love yeah. the fact that you said that. You you blatantly said that you thought that she was crazy. And yeah. a lot of people think that those that who are spiritual and have an understanding about what goes on in you know these realms, a lot of us have gifts here. Some of us are here to even shed um, share that message, you know, and to help people understand what really goes on, you know, on those realms that we can't see, but some of those realms that you know, where we come from. So now before you even go into that, because we're going to cover that, what I want to ask you is how many siblings did you have in your household? I grew up with, uh, I was one of three when I was okay. growing up. Okay. So are you the first middle I'm the or first. I'm the first, okay. first one up. Okay. Yeah, the oldest. Okay. So you are the oldest. Now, the reason why I asked that, because you, you know, you said that you helped heal your family, which is, big because lots of families don't heal. And I wanted to bring that to my listeners attention because, you know, there's always a reason why things happen in our life, why we come through as the first, second or third child, the fifth child, whatever the case may be, you know, why your parents are your parents, why your lovers are your lovers. I mean, there is a, a, you know, a dynamic intervention, um, that is beyond sometimes our understanding and what we can see. So I wanted to bring that, um, up in recognition because you came through as the first child. Okay, so. I did, and that is so true, um, yeah. what you're saying, 
And, of course, I did not understand any of it while I was going through the suffering and I was in pain. But later on in life, after this amazing thing happened to me, everything came into perspective. So mm-hmm. and it turned out to be a blessing. And, it's, and what I went through, just as you're saying, has turned out to give me a lot of insight to be able to help people because of what happened to me and because of what and and because of my journey and my experience so it's ended up being a blessing uh, oh, after all and isn't that funny when we're in it we can't really see it you know Not but, then, at all. but when it's all over said and done and we get a third eye of really what's going on it's like, oh, that's the reason. That's why those that who are seeing and paying attention and you are blessed to have seen and paid attention. And, you know, you know, especially living the lifestyle that you're, you know, that you're living now. Now, the question that I want to ask you, um, when you first got married, right now, this is what a lot of women did in those times. Like even my mother, my mother was born, you know, she's, um, whether they consider, um, those uh, baby bloomers. My mother is part of the baby bloomer uh, community. And as am I. As am I. Yeah, right? Okay. So my mother said that, you know, she could not stand her mother at the time and, you know, she wanted to get out of the house. She ended up marrying a man that who was wrong for her. You know, Mm -hmm. and she was ready to just get out, get away from her home, get away from that lifestyle and just create, you know, a a beautiful life for herself. Now, when you when you got married to your first husband, how long did that relationship last? Ten years. And it lasted for 10 years because my parents completely disowned me when I married him, even though they would my unhappy home was why I you know, found him and why I got together with him. And I often describe that I literally went from the fire into the frying pan, but I didn't know the difference. I was just trying to get out. And then my parents, of course, being who they were with all the dysfunction and all that was going on in those days, said, well, we no longer have a daughter. And I was completely disowned. And I was disowned off and on, even after I married my second husband, off and on for 23 years. Wow. I can remember crying when my birthdays would come. There were no cars. There were no calls. I was I was out. And I coped even in those days by making family, because I had no family. I made friends into family. There was a good friend who my son grew up calling Aunt Sharon. I, I, did, I, went to, I started going to therapy. I started doing a lot of things. I could have gone into deep depression and believe me I cried lots and lots of times but I always strove I didn't know what it was about at the time but I always kept trying to heal and to understand and of Mm. course I was putting the pieces in place that would back up what happened to me later but I did not know that at the time Oh my goodness, that is, you know what, I love hearing stories like that because it shows, um, you know, the warrior that you are and, you know, what you were able to, um, you know, step out of, you know what I mean? So yes, I think absolutely. That, that, is, that, that is wonderful and I'd love to hear, you know, my guests come on the show and talk about the things that they went through that made them who they are today because Everything happens for a reason. So I want to tell some of my listeners, you know, when you are in a traumatic situation, you know, just just 
you know, try to get a thorough understanding of why it's happening. And even if you can't, just understand that there is a reasoning behind it and it will always come into fruition if you just continue to pay attention to your lifestyle and who you are. And also when we come back, we're going to talk about um, to you, Miss Irene, on the traumatic incident that led you on to this beautiful journey, you know, and also the accident where you were literally looking at the shell of your husband when you guys departed here on, um, when he departed here from this earth. So stay tuned. You guys we will be right back more with Miss Irene. Stay connected with DIA 6 for more information on practical tips, proven strategies, and healthy techniques right here on Face-to-Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. Attention ladies, have you ever wanted to create a successful platform and a voice for yourself? Do you believe in leadership, diversity, and equality? If you're between the ages of 18 to 30, by October, Miss Indigenous International Beauty Pageant invites you. Come compete and represent your country in the only pageant glorifying women with natural hair and beauty. And the first to do it globally. Teach the world while serving your community. Imagine yourself being the planet's Miss Indigenous. Finally, the luxurious feeling of being a real beautiful woman. Hurry, space is limited. Go to MissIndigenous.com and apply now. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. How much sleep is enough per night? Eight hours? Six hours? Studies show that people who sleep between six and a half and seven and a half hours per night live the longest. But sleep deprivation affects about 27% of U.S. adults. Time Magazine released a study showing how sleep and overeating are intertwined. The article cited a report from an American Heart Association conference that showed growing evidence that links healthy weight with getting adequate sleep. It shows that sleep deprivation is associated with overeating. In the study, people who were sleep deprived ate more than 500 additional calories a day. Adequate sleep is important for many reasons, but this research proves that proper sleep is imperative to maintaining a healthy weight. I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Baby, I've been thinking about you. Now, back to the only show educating you with the face-to-face system and opposites attract connection. Here's your host, Daia Six. Yes, Miss Irene, I said you are a sweetheart. (laughs) You guys, we are back (laughs) with Miss Irene Weinberg, the author of They Serve Bagels in Heaven. Okay, and we are going to get to that, you guys. We're going to get to that, I promise you. Okay, we're just walking you guys through so you guys have a better understanding of how she started this whole beautiful spiritual movement. Okay, so you ready for the next question, Miss Irene? Go for it. Okay. Let's go. When you, let's fast forward a little bit. I would love to know, and I know my listeners want to know because, you know, we're all about, this is a love show here, relationships and love and, you know, things like that. I would love to hear how you met your beautiful husband, uh, Saul. You know how things are meant? Because I had the absolute wrong guy the first time around. Yes. And the day where he was an attorney and he was in a business deal with 
my second husband, who was a real estate developer. And I met him, my second husband, through my first husband. And when I was getting a divorce from my first husband, my second husband called him and because they had a relationship in business and said, listen, I like your wife. I'm going, you know, who you're separated from and all of that. I'm going through a divorce also. I want to be really upfront with you. When things are cool, I'd like to ask her out. And my first husband no. said, you know what? I can't think of a better stepfather for my son. Go fall in love for all I care. Go for it. And that's how I met my second husband. <laughs> you know what? You ha- Oh, my goodness. You have to love that. You have to love that and appreciate that and respect that. Oh, my goodness. I did not expect that story. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Talk about it. I mean, it was amazing. And so when my little boy was growing up, I didn't have ever have any conflict with my ex-husband about my second husband because they had known each other in business. And my second husband was so respectful to him that he was fine with it. What you know what that right there has to be another divine contractual relationship. I mean, probably. Yes. Oh my goodness! Right there, close, right there in your hands, like right there at your fingertips. What a blessing! Some people have to like search high and low for that, and yeah. yours was served right on a silver right plate. Right on a plate. But you know what I find? What I felt is I must have had a karmic and I've been actually told this that I had a karmic relationship that I had to clean up with my first husband and part of his job was probably to bring me my second husband yes exactly and you know what I'm another amazing thing that happened Daiya Mm -hmm. Um, when I was 16 years old my parents owned apartment houses right across from the University of Miami and I had a wild crush on this young man who was going to school. I was 16 years old, and I was very, very, very shy and naive, and I didn't know how to talk with him. So one day I saw his roommate sunning himself by the pool, by the apartment building, and I got all my 16-year-old courage up, and I went over to him because I thought, if I can become friends with you, maybe I'll get to be friends with your roommate, who's the one I had the crush on. And I walked up to him. And I said, hi, because I had seen him in the unit and in the building, and he was sunning himself in those days with that big silver reflector. And he was lying there on the lounge chair, and I said to him, what's your name? And he said, Irv. I said, hello, Irv. I'm Irene. He said, yeah. And, of course, he was paying very little attention to me because I was a 16-year-old kid who cared. And I didn't know what to say. So I said to him, Irv, do you have any brothers or sisters? And he said, yeah, actually, I have an older brother named Saul who's in real estate in New Jersey, and he has a kid. And I was 16, and I got a kundalini, which is a a, a shot of energy that was a sign that went all the way up, all the way through me. I will never forget it as long as I live. And then after Saul and I got together and we were dating, 
One day he said, I want you to meet my brother. And I walked into his brother's home, and his brother said, you know, I went to the University of Miami, and he said, I used to live in XYZ apartment building, and all of a sudden the whole thing came back to me. Is that amazing? My goodness. Oh, how tasteful is that? Look at that. Heaven really gave me a heads up that this was, there was something meant with this relationship. But you and it know, it was a what? confirmation and a validation. Yes. yes, and this is how I know that you, like me, you're an old soul. You came here to be responsible for so many. You've put yourself in a situation to be responsible for those that who want to listen and who want to see. And I love that because when we come here for a divine purpose. Those type of things seem to always happen into our lives. This is why I say people pay attention to your life because it, your, your puzzle, you'll be able to put all the pieces together. It always And happens. there are no accidents. There, there are, are no, no accidents. accidents. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so let me ask you this. When did you know after all of that? That is so yummy. Oh, my goodness. After all of that, Miss Irene. When did you know, like after you and Saul started dating, what were some of the signs where you were like, okay, yeah, this is the one? Well, first of all, I felt so comfortable with him. I felt so safe with him. It was like sitting in an easy chair. Yes. I couldn't get over how I didn't have to work hard. Mm-hmm. I was conscious in the relationship because I wanted the relationship to work out, so I was very aware of taking care of his needs, but this was the beautiful part. He also wanted to take care of mine. So instead of having one as a giver and one as a taker, it was round. I was in a relationship where we both wanted to give to each other and both wanted to help each other. And I will never forget, because he had two teenage children, and I had my son, and he was like at the time we were dating, and my son was like two and a half years old, and he sa- I said to him one day, we were dating, and I said, you know, I feel really badly because if we do end up together, uh, because we were getting along so well, and he was telling me that he loved me, and I was getting those feelings for him, and I said, if we should end up together, uh, my ex-husband, who he knew, he has a lot of problems, and I don't think he'll ever be able to support my son or pay for child support. And and Saul said to me, oh, I have the easy part. I get a little boy who I'm going to love and I'm going to want to help him and bring him up and take care of him. You have the hard part. You get two teenagers who are all <laughs> kinds of conflicted and have all kinds of problems. He said, you're the one who's going to, and I will have to support you and love you because you're the one who's going to help me try to save my children. My job is easy. I just get to love and be there for your child. And I mean that he said that and was so open and his heart was so full to accept my child that way and want to love and take care of my child and to acknowledge that it's not going to be easy for you, but if we're in this together, I will do whatever I have to to help you and support you, and we will be a team together for this. I tell people all the time that the thing that was also amazing was that we used to argue from the same side of the net. It wasn't an ego thing as to who was right, or neither one of us had to be right. We all both 
if we had an, a disagreement, and we did disagree, it, we would always say, well, how is this going to work out for both of us? How can we make this work? Maybe each of us has to give a little, but how can we make this work? One of my favorite stories, which isn't an argument, but is so typical of our relationship, um, when we were dating, someone one day said to me, you know, you're perfect for me, but you don't ski. He was a big jock. He was an athlete. He liked to go to football games and all of that. I grew up playing the violin, and I was into culture. So I said, you know what? I said, you're perfect for me, too, but you have no class. So he started to laugh, and he said, what does that mean? And I said, well, Saul, I have to inform you that country western music is nice, but it's not the only art form. I will put these, and I'm from Miami. I said, I'll put those two sticks of wood under my feet, and I'll learn how to ski, and I'll go with you to football <laughs> games. But you have to belong, and that will be the fall into the winter. But spring and summer, you will belong to me. So what does that mean? I said, it means ballet. It means classical music concerts. It means, it means Broadway shows. He said, you're on. We will be a team. My stuff in the in the fall and the winter, and you're absolutely. And he grew to to recognize composers, and he loved it. And that was really what our relationship was always about. We always strove to meet in the middle ground and make it work for both of us. And the best thing that happened was my stepdaughter, who came to us with all kinds of problems and all kinds of conflicts and really resenting me and all of that kind of thing. She was with us for eight years, and then she got engaged to be married. She lived in our marriage. And the night before she got married, she said to me, you know, Irene, you know I've been trying to break you and my father up since the day I came to live with you. And I'm so glad that I have not succeeded because I would have never known what a happy marriage looks like if I hadn't lived with you and Dad. Oh, how beautiful is that. And what a classic duel the two of you made. And, and you know what? I want to thank you for saying that you did not have to work hard in your relationship. This is what I tell my listeners. When it is right relationships aren't hard. Relationships are not complicated. People make them complicated. But you two got together knowing yourselves, knowing exactly what you want. You, you, you expressed it. Not only that, but you talked it and you walked it simultaneously. And that is what made your relationship so beautiful. That yes, is what and we were both that. safe to say whatever we needed to say to each other. Yeah. You know what? There were times when we would, at the end of the night, my husband would be, you know, working in business and I would be, you know, doing whatever I was doing. And I would say to him, tea or wine, because I, we needed to talk. And it would be our time to clear and really talk with each other. And we'd sit mm-hmm. down with a cup of tea or the glass of wine. And we'd really talk to each other about whatever it was that we needed to work out, be it something with the kids or something that was going on with business or whatever it was. And wow. it, was, it, was a, it, it was really important to our marriage that we always made time to hear each other and to talk with each other. I love that. You guys, when we come back, because we're getting ready to come up on our commercial break in our tunes, when we come back, we are going to talk about the afterlife that um, the messages and that uh, Irene has. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just one moment. Stay 
stay connected with DIA 6 for more information on practical tips, proven strategies, and healthy techniques right here on Face-to-Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. Attention, ladies. Would you like to create a platform for your success? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Intelligence, a leader, or trendsetter? What about a queen? Well, if you're between the ages of 18 to 30 by October, Miss Indigenous International Beauty Pageant is looking for you to come represent your country. It's the only pageant glorifying women with natural hair and beauty, and the first to do it globally. Come create value and make a difference while serving your community. Finally, the luxurious feeling of being a real beautiful woman. Hurry, space is limited. Beat the early bird deadline. Go to www.missindigenous.com. Apply now. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Whether it's an anniversary, the holidays, a job promotion, a birthday, an event or party, we have so many wonderful things to celebrate. Usually celebrating involves food. And if you're not careful, you end up eating celebration food that you normally would not eat. Many times we go from one celebration or event to another. And even though it's all good, our healthy eating can get off track. The way to combat that is to make healthy eating a lifestyle. I like the 80-20 rule. If you eat healthy, low-calorie food 80% of the time, it's not a problem to splurge or indulge in not-so-healthy foods 20% of the time. The 80-20 plan works and is a great way to make healthy eating a lifestyle. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Back to the only show educating you with the face-to-face system and opposites attract connection. Here's your host, Daia Six. Okay, so we are getting ready to get into this spiritual realm. Are you ready, Miss Irene? Of course, I am ready. <laughs> now, now, before we do that, now I want to ask you. Now, your sister-in-law was that Saul's sister? That was Saul. That. Saul's brother, who I met when I was 16, that was his wife. That was his wife. Okay, now this is interesting. This is an interesting dynamic here. So your sister-in-law was actually tapped into the spiritual realm, the spiritual world. Yes, right? Right. She was way ahead of me. She understood all of this, and she was really into it. And I'll tell you something very interesting also. Um when I tell the story of how I was able to communicate and contact Saul, just one thing I want everyone to keep in mind, and then I'll go back to it in the story, is we were not talking to her when Saul and I had this terrible accident that provided me with this spiritual awakening. And when I was able to connect with him, which I'll tell everyone my story, there was no one for me to share it with except her. Look so at I that. I called her up, and I said, oh, my God, Carolyn, I don't know how to say this to you, but I just connected with Saul. She said, thank God. I said, why do you say that? She said, two weeks after he died, I was working with 
someone and the healer said to me, there's a soul on the other side named Saul, and he is insisting on talking to you. And she said, why would you want to talk to me? We weren't talking when you died. And he said, I know, because I thought you were crazy. But you're the only one who's open, and I have messages I have to give Irene. And every one of those messages was right on, and that happened two weeks after he died. Look at the dynamics in that and see all of that, The all of that. Okay, Miss Irene, I love hearing stories like that because that is just confirmation on why we come onto this earth and why we are close to the people that we are close to. She couldn't come through as your sister, so she came through as your sister-in-law. Right, you see and that? we still have a very good, we have a wonderful relationship today. Yes, yes. See, oh my God. Okay, so after that happened, I'm pretty sure that you guys became close. And um, now were were you guys, you guys really probably weren't the best sister-in-laws before Saw Death because what you probably thought she was cuckoo. I thought she was cuckoo. <laughs> I thought she was absolutely cuckoo. So we weren't having anything to do with cuckoo. So we really didn't socialize with them or go out with them. Who wanted to hear about this stuff about people go on to the other side? That's crazy. And all of this kind of thing. So the joke was on me. So can I share with everyone what happened to me? Of course. Yes, okay. let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm married to Saul close to 18 years. And, yes, I'm not talking to the sister-in-law who's cuckoo. And uh, one day this non-believer is washing some dishes in her kitchen sink, and Saul was watching a Jets game on TV. We live in the, I'm sure you can tell from my accent, we live in the New York, New Jersey area. Mm-hmm. And he was watching this Jets game on TV, and suddenly a very strong message came into my head. And the message said, Saul has to go. Many lessons will be learned from his death. Mm. And I said to myself, what am I thinking? Right, so you couldn't understand. Wait a minute, so you couldn't understand if that was um, intuition or an illusion? I had no idea. First of all, I didn't understand about intuition. Uh And I thought I was a very reality-based person, and this was certainly not something I would ever think. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I brought him a glass of water, I kissed the top of his head, and I'm thinking about it, and I said, this is nuts, and I put it out of my head. I never said a word to anybody about it because it was like this random, crazy thing. Two months later, we were coming home from a ski weekend in the Catskills, and we were on the New York State Thruway going 72 miles an hour, and I suddenly felt the car go into a huge swerve, and I looked over at Saul, and he was sound asleep at the wheel. His head was in his chest, and he was sleeping. And I said, Saul, and he woke up, and he went to pull the car out of the swerve, and instead, we started to lift up into the air. It felt like I was in a giant roller coaster, and we flipped four times. But at the beginning of the first flip, as we took off, another message came into my head, and it said, he's not going to make it, you are. Mm. And we continued to flip over and over and over, and we landed upside down in a ravine. We held up traffic. 
on the New York State Thruway for two and a half hours. And I look over at Saul and I go, Sawley, are you okay? And I see that his entire warm, wonderful, beautiful, funny persona is completely gone. Mm-hmm. And I am looking at the shell of my husband. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, oh, my God, I was told he was going to go. All of a sudden now it's starting to come together. And I am, my, my knee is hurting me, but I'm totally conscious. And I'm looking around, and I suddenly feel the car being turned over, and the strong hands of an EMT began to reach through the window, which was shattered, the shattered window of my car, undid my seatbelt, turned me around, and started pulling me through the window of my car. And at that moment, an authoritative, unemotional male voice boomed into my head and said to me, be loving and kind to everyone as they put me on the side of the road. Wow. Do you, even remember, how you. Long, do you even remember how long you were there in the car? It probably happened so quick and so fast. It happened, well, it, it happened quickly. I think, I mean, like I said, we held up traffic on the throughway for two and a half hours. I was helicopter, so think about this. A helicopter is hovering nearby to take me to an emergency trauma center. They were tying a tourniquet around my foot to stop me from bleeding to death from a torn artery in the bottom of my foot. Mm. My eye had hemorrhaged. My collarbone was reversed inside my shoulder. And I'd lost a ligament in my knee. And I've just been told to be loving and kind to everyone. Yes. Yes. Holy mm-hmm. moly. Holy moly. Exactly. Yeah. Talk about the strength you had to. Okay. There we go. Where did you get the strength to start performing that? To be loving and kind from, um, to everyone. You have. No, I mean, it changed me. I, in, me, in that moment. I stopped, I stopped being self-centered like a person normally would do. Oh, my God, what's happened? My husband's dead. Where was me? I didn't do any of that. I got be loving and kind to everyone. I asked the people in the helicopter, what are your names? Thank you for coming out the weekend before Christmas. And mm. they helicoptered me to the, to the emergency trauma center. I asked the nurses working on me, what are your names? Thank you for helping me. I was so different. And, of course, the way I was with the kids when they came in and we had to give them the news that Dad was gone and all of that that I talk about in the book that happened to me, that I got a call from the assistant to the surgeon who saved my life, put 19 stitches in the bottom of that foot in the artery, and she said, Irene, you changed lives in the emergency room that night. We never saw anyone respond to a tragedy like you had, the way you responded. And I said, Trish, I had a spiritual awakening. I got messages. I, I, I had something so profound happen to me. But now, I don't really, at the time, I, when this thing actually happened, what was up with this? Mm-hmm. About six weeks after the accident, because I'm very friendly and open, I get a call from my dry cleaner. And he said, Irene, 
I really want to talk to you about something. I'm so sorry about your husband. He said, and I don't tell this to a lot of people. He said, but eight years ago, my son died of a drug overdose, and my wife and I were inconsolable. We went to all kinds of healers and grief therapists and social workers, and finally someone said that there are people who can communicate with the soul on the other side. And we've been to see a bunch of them, and there's one young man who we've seen who's going to be very famous one day. He's fantastic, and he's going to be having what they call a gallery, which is a bunch of people who come together from deceased, to hear from deceased loved ones, and it's going to be in another town from where you live and where I live, and it's going to happen in two weeks. Would you like to come with us? Well, here this non-believer is, knowing something's up after I got the messages and all, and I thought, and I just had just stopped using my wheelchair, and I thought, what have I got to lose? Mm-hmm. So I drive my car to his home in one town, and I get into his car, and we drive about four towns away to this hotel, and we walk in, and this young man looks at me, and he says, I don't even want to know your name. Go upstairs, and he greets my dry cleaner and his wife, and then I'm sitting there, and I'm watching these most amazing messages that you are not, you cannot make this up. I'm getting a guy who shot himself in the head with a pistol. Oh, my God, that's my father. So this woman is telling me that uh, she saw her daughter put up two paintings on the wall for Christmas. Oh, my God, that's my mom. And all of a sudden, she said, he says, and this was John Edward, who's now very, very famous. And this was very before famous. he was yes. famous. And he, and, he, and he said, I'm getting a guy. And he's saying something about Dr. Pepper. And I elbowed my dry cleaner to start taking notes because 15 years before he met me, Saul's brother, who was now a very, very, very well-known advertising executive, had written Saul's name into a Dr. Pepper commercial. And Saul used to laugh about it because he didn't write in John Doe or Joe Smith (laughs) Weinberg, <laughs> and he said, Dr. Pepper is coming east from California. Let's hear from the man in the street, Saul Weinberg, what he thinks of Dr. Pepper. Now, what were the odds that John Edward was going to stand up in front of a group and say that when this didn't even happen when I was married to Saul? What happened? But Saul used to laugh about it, and Saul knew that there was that that would be an absolute way that I would know it was him and that no one could make that up. And, and, then, wait a minute, and then, Miss, hold on, Miss Irene, because we're getting ready to come up on a break, and I want my listeners to actually um, get even more information. When we come back, you guys, we're going to talk about how um, Miss Irene got more confirmation that it was Saul. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay. Stay connected with DIA 6 for more information on practical tips, proven strategies, and healthy techniques right here on Face-to-Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. years ago, some fishermen off the coast of Italy discovered some pottery along with fish in their nets. Divers were called out and discovered an ancient Roman ship whose galley, or caboose, a nautical term for kitchen, was extremely intact. Some of the food uncovered on board was pickled fish, wine, oil, and grain used to make the ship's biscuits, otherwise known as dandy funks. It is thought the 2,000-year-old boat was probably on its way to Spain when it sunk and was covered by layers of mud, baggy wrinkles, and all. 
all. Peggy wrinkles are another name for the ship's ropes. The mud protected the ship from wear, explaining why the leftover food on board was still in such good condition. We land lovers may not be familiar with leftovers on the sea, but we are familiar with leftovers in our kitchen. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. With Christmas dinner around the corner, it's time to make a plan to not overeat while still enjoying your favorite foods and the wonderful celebration. If you find yourself at a party or dinner, remember to save your calories. Appetizers can really add the calories up, and the next thing you know, you are overindulging. The average turkey dinner is 3,500 calories, which translates to one whole pound for one meal. Don't let mindless pre-meal eating sabotage your efforts to stay nutritionally sound and to keep your eating light. Think before you pop those bite-sized appetizers into your mouth. Unless they are so good and you are willing to skip something at the dinner table, it's best to bypass the appetizers. Save your calories for the special dinner so you can enjoy your favorite foods. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Baby, I've been thinking about you. Now, back to the only show educating you with the face-to-face system and opposites attract connection. Here's your host, Daia Six. you guys we are back and we are um, gonna get a little bit deep uh, deeper into uh, Miss Irene and uh, Miss Irene tell us a little bit when you were there at the conference with um, Mr. John Edwards who we all love today um, this is before he became the John Edwards you know right. what were some of the before what was your the John Edward right yes yes and what was some of the what was your experience like what was some of the confirmations that he gave you where you knew it was Saul and that he wasn't a big fluke okay so I'm going to tell you that and then I want to take our listeners to what happened to me after that to let that led to the writing of this book and all which I was not an author remember I was a violinist and I was a buyer for Macy's and retailing <laughs> I never intended to write a book. But this is this amazing story. Mm -hmm. So um, John Edwards stood up there, and he held up two fingers on one hand and one finger on another, and he says, what does this mean? And I immediately knew that Saul was telling him that we raised his two children and my one son. Then he said, he's telling me he wore a lot of hats, and he did because he was going bald. He's telling me he liked to tell jokes with accents. How did John Edwards know that? He's holding up a can of tomato juice. And he's telling me it's about a joke that only you and he shared. When my son was very little, I mean, my son was, Saul was buried on my son's 21st birthday. Wow. When my son was five years old, Saul used to like to joke that he was so skinny that if you filled him with tomato juice, he'd look just like a thermometer. (laughs) 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 I mean, how could John Edward know that? Right. Then he said he's telling me that you're wearing his skier charm under your blouse. How could he know that? Could he know and that? then the, another one he said, Saul was a real estate developer in a town in New Jersey, and he used to sell condos to, to yuppies at the time, and the kids used to call him Uncle Saulsy. On his license plate that I had left four towns away said Saulsy. 
And John Edwards says, he's telling me you're driving his car with Saul Z on the license plate. Wow. Look at that. Look at that. That is absolutely amazing. Okay, so then now what inspired you to write the book? When did you know that, oh, my God, I got to start sharing this information? Well, first I called Carolyn, and then I got the validation that two weeks after he died, he was already reaching out to me. Now I'm starting to go. Now I open up, and this is no longer crazy anymore, and now I'm starting to go to different mediums and healers and people, and he's coming through them however he can. He described his genitals to one of them. He described his toes to another one, and every single one of them started giving me a message. He's saying you're supposed to write a book that's going to help a lot of people. And I'm like, what book? I played the violin. I was a buyer for Macy's. I helped him in his real estate business. What kind of book? And all of a sudden, uh, things, you know, I start getting information. I met one woman. She did automatic writing, and she said, ask me a question, and he'll answer it. And I started answering. And he started coming through, uh-huh. answering my questions. And one thing led to another. And then my sister-in-law said, I know a woman who I met in a workshop who is absolutely fantastic, and she could probably channel Saul, and you're getting these messages that you're supposed to write a book. And I met with this woman, and I talk all about my experience in the book, and I met with her, and proof positive something happened in that when, she was, he was, when she was channeling him, which she called translating, because... What he's doing is lowering his vibration because they are at a higher vibration than we are, and she would be able to raise hers to be able to get the vibration and translate what he was saying to her. And I was starting to ask questions. What's the deal with soulmates? Yes. What do they do with evil out over there? What's yeah. heaven like? What was it like for you to cross over? And then he, she started saying, and I'm being told that you two lived these past lives, and he wants to tell you about them because there are un, there's unbelievable wisdom he wants to share in the book for people about how is the best way to live their lives and to deal with adversity and to deal with problems in their lives and what you learn when you get to the other side about this. So now I'm starting to get all this information, and I started writing it into the book. And I eventually wrote, you know, wrote They Serve Bagels in Heaven, and, one of the, and the subtitle is One Couple's Story of Love, Eternity, and the Cosmic Importance of Everyday Life. Because the book carries a lot of insights that help you. A lot of people have told me that, you know, it's helped them with their grief, and it's also helped them with their lives. Uh, And the book is also easy reading. He -hmm. had a fantastic sense of humor, so there's a lot of humor in it. There's also some good sex in it. There's also, I mean, it's a real, I've been told, a lot of people say it's a great love story, and you're enjoying the story, and in it you're getting so much, gleaning so much wisdom from from what it's all really about. Now, do you think that there are only, because, you know, a lot of people think that there's only one soulmate. No. Do Okay. No, there are multiple soulmates. In fact, we have work soulmates, we have friendship soulmates, and we also, where we have a lover soulmate, you can have a few soulmates who are uh, meant to be your romantic soulmate. I know soul is my soulmate that way, but there are also lifetimes 
that you are not with your soulmate because you are supposed to grow and evolve in each lifetime. And sometimes you have to do that in a lifetime without a soulmate. So sometimes when people are alone and searching, they're supposed to realize themselves and love themselves and be in a relationship with themselves in this particular lifetime. I talk about in the book, there's a lifetime where I was completely alone. Mm-hmm. And he didn't yeah. like it. He didn't want me to come by myself, but I, I had work that I had to do in that lifetime. So why bagels? What's, what's significant to bagels? Because when you, and I'm going to tell everyone, they can read all about that on page 8, but mm-hmm. when you cross over, you're provided a visual of, that makes you comfortable, that connects with your life here. And mm-hmm. Saul talked about that when he got over there, he was met by his mother, Mm-hmm. And the scene that he was provided for was that they had coffee and bagels in heaven. Mm. And uh, that was to acclimate him to where he now was and that he was with his mom before he got a more universal picture of what it's really like on the other side because it's much, much greater than what we understand in our limited experience here. Yes. And speaking about the book, Miss Irene, go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you and, and, and find the book. Okay. Uh, I have a website that's uh, called theyservebagelsinheaven.com. And uh, my book is on Amazon as an ebook and a hardcover. And it is also an Audible book. It's on audible.com. And they, if people prefer to listen to it, uh, they can, I mean, I've been told people love sticking the CDs in their car, which they can order off my website, or you can download it through audible.com. And one of my friends says she was grieving uh, so hard for this uncle who she lost. She loved him so much. She said, who could read? She said, so I put your story in my Years while I was driving, and she said, "I can't even tell you what comfort it gave me." And I and to to hear your story, and you know, to yeah. be talking to me. Yeah, I love to hear that because you know a lot of people we grieve because we feel that the person, well, everybody feel that the person that that they've lost is gone forever. And what can you say to someone grieving from a loved one, you know, and, you know, especially, you know, the last thing they said was something detrimental or there was an, you know, a, a huge argument, you know, you know, a lot of those. Oh, I have such an amazing story about that. Okay. I'm so happy to talk to you, Daya, because I can give people so much hope about that. I was in Vermont because once I opened up to this world, now I'm starting to know different mediums and talk to people. And I was in Vermont, and I walked with a medium into a hotel room, and there was a young woman. She was in her 20s and crying her eyes out, I mean sobbing in the front row. Well, we had no idea. As we walk in, this woman's father immediately came through to the medium, and through the, through the exchange we found out, that the night before he unexpectedly died, he and his daughter had a horrible fight, and they called each other terrible names. And he came through to tell her that he was so sorry for what he had said to her, that he apologized. She apologized to him, and they forgave each other. And what I want to tell everyone is that you do go on. If you cannot fix 
if something happens and you can't fix it here, but you can fix it here through different healers or mediums or whatever, but if you can't, you will fix it when you get to the other side because our loved ones are waiting for us, and they get a life review where they feel everything that happened so that if, if they really hurt you or did terrible things to you, they experience it themselves on the other side, and they have to heal from that. And oh, forgive themselves goodness. as well as, you know, when you eventually get around to letting it go. Because if you hold on to not forgiving someone, then it hurts you more than it hurts them. Yeah, and you know what? We're definitely going to have to bring you on and do a part two. Because guess what? We are out of time. Can you believe that, Miss Irene? We, we yeah. are so out of time. And maybe we can do like a, uh, maybe we can do a Facebook Q&A or something like that. You know, um, maybe I'd people want that. to, you know, ha- ask more questions or whatever. But you guys, if you guys want to be turned on or turned off, I am here. If you want to be turned on, meet me here next week. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter under Daia6. Also, HRT Radio Facebook group page is waiting for you. And we will have live Q&A with some of our past guests and myself. And you get to see and intervene and ask personal questions, you guys. You guys get advice right there. Also, if you want relationship advice, go to facingrelationships.com and I will answer your questions. Yes, you guys asked me, is this really you answering our questions? Yes, it is. Okay. And also I will be having classes there on how to predict the partner you are with by understanding their DNA makeup so that your relationships are easy. Miss Irene, do you approve this message that you gave to the audience today? Absolutely. With a full heart. I approve this message. We approve this message and we love you guys. We want to thank you guys for listening to us. We want to thank you guys for um, paying attention to this beautiful message. You guys can um, follow Miss Irene and get that book for all of you guys that who are grieving over loved ones. It will be the perfect sympathy and empathy book for you. Do not forget about that. Love you. Bye-bye. Join us next week, same time, same place, as Daia continues to give practical tools for simple, healthy, face-to-face relationship living. Remember, relationships aren't hard if you have the proper tools to build you a solid foundation. Don't forget to visit FacingRelationships.com for further assistance. That's www.facingrelationships.com.